Here we go. Hey there, everybody. Shel Brodnax here with another episode of Stager Talk. We're talking all speakers today and the wonderful, the talented, the very smart Ryan Marsh from On Stage out of Portland, Oregon is here. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks, Shel, for the introduction. I'm super excited to be speaking at ResaCon this year. Yeah, we're super excited to have you. This is not your first time at ResaCon. Uh, you have a long history in our um, industry as being a leader. You've been on the board of directors. Um, you're always a go-to person in all the social media groups. You're very, very giving with your brain, which everybody appreciates, a good brain every once in a while. And your session is gonna is called Shift Your Mindset and Stop Competing and Start Dominating. And this is a word dominating. Um, I've, I've been using this word lately, and um, it's so true. It is really so true. And I think one of the things that you're going to focus on is, you know, stagers tend to make the mistake of where they, they're looking at their business finances and they're focusing on the dollars and cents. And your theory is stop looking at the dollars and cents and look at the thousands instead. So tell me more about that concept. Yeah, well, I think just to address the word dominate first, like it's one of those things where people have a perception of it's like forceful. We're thinking about forcing something, but really... For me, the idea of dominating, this is something that we've learned over time at OnStage, is that is figuring out what your north is. Like, what is what? where do you want your business to go? What do you want it to look like in the end? And dominating for me at that point is getting to that point in your business where you are in position, doing exactly what you want, building the business exactly how you want it. It provides you with the right flexibility. Um, and the other component to it is just understanding that there's there's inherently things within your business that you aren't going to enjoy doing and just shifting your mindset and focusing in those areas and intentionally step, stepping outside your comfort zone in order to uh, to capitalize on those on those tasks, those, like one, one thing that comes to mind is just cold calling. Um, nobody loves to pick up the phone and introduce themselves, try and sell their service on a cold basis. And so I think uh, if we're intentional about that process, even one time a day, you're, if you're making one phone call a day, you probably made 30 more phone calls being intentional in that one month than you did every month before, because just one of those daunting tasks that you don't love. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, with all of this, when you're, for me, dominating is, is meaning a lot of the same things. And just kind of, I also kind of add on that you're just slaying it. You're doing your thing. Yep. And you're focused just on what it is that you're doing. And you're not worried about all the outside chatter that's going on and to be able to build the business that you want, whether it be a very large business and you want to scale up or you want to keep it small, it's still profitable. Small doesn't have to be, you know, not profitable, but you got to be able to do what it is that you want to do for your own business or you're just yeah. not happy. And I agree. I think in this industry, you really got to put blinders on because you can see all sorts of companies thriving in different ways or growing in certain size, like the size of your company doesn't necessarily equate to the success of it. The number of units you stage doesn't necessarily equate to the success of your business. Like you could do a few projects a month and offer a, a much more valuable, impeccable service to those clients that you're servicing and get exactly what, what you want out of that experience. And I think that's dominating personally. Yeah, for sure. Totally for sure. And also when you're looking at, um, there's a saying in my previous industry, I used to work in the collections industry. I was a private investigator for a decade. So I did a lot of asset recovery and things like that. And it was brutal. I mean, the environment that I worked in was really, really br brutal. I mean, you stats, goals, you name it, because what we did, what I did, I did it as a manager. And it was something that was ingrained into me really early is that I, I always cut the bottom 10% getting rid of them and cutting that dead weight out. You know what I mean? No, and yep. for me, yeah. it was 
it was people not hitting their goals. So if you were on the bottom 10%, you were always on the chopping block. But in your regular business, dead weight could mean all kinds of different things, not just people that might not be doing the job, but systems and things that are no longer working with you. Yeah, you know, I think in every business, and, and I think anybody that, that is going to watch this, this is going to agree that there's somebody on your team where like, I'm not quite sure this is the right fit, but I'm too uncomfortable to make a change. Either it's going to create a little bit of inconvenience for yourself, or it's going to like, it's just something you struggle to execute on. But the reality is, is like, you have to be focused on the outcome. And if you know, in your with your gut, that this is the right move to make, you should always make it. And so, you know, an exercise that I would encourage anybody to do, especially as the markets kind of ebb and flow, capacity ebbs and flows. Like we know it's it's a slower market this year in many markets, uh, just because there's substantially less houses being listed because of interest rates. So there's cuts that have to be made. The business has to be rationalized. And so what I would encourage everybody to do, and as part of my talk, talk about cutting the dead weight within your organization. And like you could have a top performer who just brings down the whole organization and takes away that dominating experience for you. And sometimes you have to get uncomfortable in order to, to, um, to really take care of that situation, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, you have to rationalize your business every single year. You have to sit back, at least take a, f a few hours to say, does this make sense? Did it make sense last season? Will it make sense next season? Yeah, it's, that's important because everything changes. So a lot of times I'm like, I know even here at Risa, you've been on the board of directors for many years. And it's one of those things that with your business, a lot of times you can be really visionary in the beginning and something might not work. So it didn't work then or something did work for a very long time. And now it doesn't work. And you, it's like, okay, what happened? This, we did it this way, shampoo, rinse, repeat, working, 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 working. And all of a sudden you look back and you're like, yeah, that's not working for us anymore. And you have to be able to go in and be willing to, to analyze that and make the decisions. Yeah. This is an extremely high risk industry. And the only reason I say right. that is it's tied to real estate. Like you, yeah. people make a lot of money in real estate or they lose they a lot of money. Right. So yeah. and part of that is, is like the ability to be adaptable to what the market's thrown at you. And yeah. if you're not, then if you're emotional about the process, if you're unwilling to make the necessary changes within your business, then you, you're taking on a lot of unnecessary risk. But sometimes you just need a little bit of a push. You need that encouragement. Um, so hopefully, if there's people that are in this predicament, this might be enough to help them make that decision as well if yeah. they've got somebody who's just not jiving. Yeah, for sure. I think, too, that um, you're going to talk about incentivizing, so incentive, incentives for goals. So when you talk about that in your write-up, did you mean like getting everybody on the same team and making sure that all of your people understand what the goal, what the end result is, what the end goal, and everybody's got to have your buy-in on your team? Yep. Yeah, I mean, we did something pretty profound within our organization, or we think it's profound. Uh, so we had different structures. Sales team would get a commission. We recently did a profit share model last year for the, the operation side of things. But recently, we actually just said everyone's going to get a piece of the pie from a profit share perspective. And part of that is making sure that everybody within the organization has the same exact goals, right? So it's yeah. like, we can't, you can't have conflicting messaging. We want to make sure that everyone's aware of the fact that if we're making changes, it's to make sure that there is something left at the end of the month in order for the team to reap the benefits and everybody's going to reap the benefits in the exact same way. And so the structures of how you create those compensation structure, uh, structures for people, sometimes it, it, it influences the motivation. And if it's not done in the right way, it can have conflicting motivation. Um, and so like we found that to be incredibly profound because people always want to make more money, especially 
some of these lower positions within our organizations, the moving positions, like how do we make more money? And so if you can tie the incentives within your organization to say, hey, if we're, if we're more effective, if we're able to create more profitability, you get a percentage of that and they know what that percentage is, then they, they are creating a tangible connection within the organization to say, hey, I get to write my own check in some way. And yeah. it's been a pretty profound impact. I mean, we saw a month where our, our installers last year, <laughs> they made 30 plus dollars an hour in one month. And that, I mean, that's a pretty good mover wage, you know, and part of, part of that chunk was from, from profit share. That's awesome. I know in my previous job, I was all about the bonus structure, man. It was like, give me a, I had only worked commission jobs up until I got into to this particular industry because there's no, you're in charge of it. You, you literally have, there's no ceiling. There's literally no ceiling and you can do it. Right. So it's a very attractive um, model to be able to have for people. And I like the thing too, when it's a group, when you're doing it all as a group, because then everybody does have their role and everybody knows what their role is and you get optimum performance. Yeah, agreed. And we've done some downsizing recently and it's far easier to navigate with the current team members because they're not thinking about it emotionally either. We present our profit share numbers every single month. People see the health of the business every single month. And so when we make decisions, they understand why. So it's much easier to navigate. It's much easier to maintain morale in that way because we're, we're, we're just an open book for our team. We want them to know um, what's happening within the organization. And that all ties back to that profit share. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. Are you going to talk, a lot of people have problems with the data and the numbers and really analyzing them and understanding them. Staging, as you know, is very right brain, left brain. The typical person that gets into the industry is the creative. It's, I want to, I want to design something. I want to make homes beautiful. This is what it is that I do. And they don't have the other part of the brain for the analytics. So when you're talking about this, are you going to be able to give people some tips that are more on the creative on things that they can really understand precise things that they need to look at and how to analyze that data? Yeah, absolutely. The, my goal is to do things as simply as possible with it on stage as well. So it's like, we've, we've gone through different structures. There's complexity. There's a lot of legwork or with the profit share structure, you set percentages, right? So like, well, I'll, I'll show how that makes a big difference in that process. Like, cause we want to add to our business and develop our business without creating compl complexity. And um, that's part of why we went with the standardized approach here. And so, yeah, I'll provide specific details on what those structures look like. And it doesn't mean everyone's going to use it, but if it's a tool that can be immediately applied and I can simply show how it could be utilized regularly, um, you know, I think it's going to be profound. I mean, it's two, it's two-sided. The structure is one thing, but the overall motivation from our team members and the impact that they have in terms of recommitting to the organization, um, I think that's probably the more profound aspect to it. Yeah, absolutely. Because they look for ways to, to drive profitability at that point. They look for ways to create efficiency. I like that when the team members have ownership of their positions. That's one thing that I've always been a fan with me, hire great people, let them do their thing, get out of their way, encourage them, you know, give them some freedom and some latitude. So they do take ownership. Otherwise they're, uh, you know, they're very oppressed and you don't get the results that you want. Right. Right. And I think there's, um, there's a misconception when it comes to being a leader and being a boss. And one of the biggest things, and, and this should resonate with a lot of people is leaders really give away their power. They look for ways to give away that ability to make decisions to the people that are working underneath them that are actually in those roles. And then they provide support. They provide feedback. They provide the right level of pressure and encouragement. Um, and so 
when you're a boss, you're you're making the decision, you're telling them what to do. And so it can be like, again, those different things subtly change the way an organization thinks and can quickly throw off the balance. Then you end up in a situation where you, you're not thriving, you're not dominating. Yeah, for sure. One thing I know for sure, especially like here at Risa, even with our team, it, and as you know, because you've been on the board, it's like everything is literally discussed ad nauseum, all the decisions that are made. It's all the pros and cons are weighed. Everybody's opinions are made. And it's interesting because you can come up, you and I both know, we can both come up with a really banging idea. And we were like, this is the kind, this is it, needs nothing else. And then you give it to the team and they're like, well, we can tweak this a little bit. And then everybody kind of takes their little bites out of it. But the end result is that everybody has their buy-in and right. it, it, it's, it's, it just becomes a better idea if you're willing right. to do it. And that, that's hard. It is definitely a hard thing to do. I know for me, sure, I come up with ideas all the time. And it's like, when's there's something I say, can I just come up with one idea one time where nobody touches it? And it's like, that's yeah, not going to happen. Not going to happen. But it makes everything better. So that's the good thing. But people have to be willing to do that as a leader, as a boss, is to be able to ask your people. Because if you really ask them, what's the problem? And they, and they feel comfortable, they'll tell you. And they'll tell you how to fix it. Right, right. And you think I got to think about from the motivation perspective as well. If you're on profit share, who's impacted? Everybody, right? Yeah. So it's like you put that owner, that ownership on them. It's like, okay, well, if we go one way or the other, like the impact is on all of us. So we all want to make the right decision. So you allow them to make mistakes as well. And it creates a more profound, a, a much more effective um, thought process or development or um, what's the word I'm looking for? a much more dynamic uh, structure for innovation, I guess, if that makes sense, because they start to think through like, okay, what are the implications of the whole, not, not positionally, what will, what does this do for me as an individual? It's what does it do for the company? Cause everyone's impacted the same. Yeah. I, I love it because it, it really truly is a team concept and everybody's buy-in, you yep. know, teamwork makes the dream work. So that's a good saying. Yep. Ex exactly. Yeah. And we're hundred percent transparent company. If you work for onstage, you see our numbers. Every single, if you want to pull, you want to see the budget, I'll share it with you. Even if you're in, one of the installers, yeah. there's nothing to hide. If somebody has an like, idea, there it is. Facts are facts. If, there's a, if somebody has an idea of how to improve, I'm all ears. I'd love to hear it. You know, yeah, that's a good thing. So let's talk about Resacon, the additional things that people get out of Resacon, because we all know the sessions are amazing. This year, we are running four sessions at a time instead of our typical three. And um, so we expanded everything, got new three keynote speakers, the sessions in, that were submitted, it was literally, you know, you, you piece their program together and make sure everything is really well balanced. And there was just so many great topics this year. It's like, we just couldn't turn them away. So people are getting four sessions to choose from. Then you can do the add-on to get the bonus, set, the uh, recordings. So you can watch them at home after the fact. But the thing that when you go to RisaCon, Problems are solved. I keep saying this, and it's so true that problems are solved with a lot of the conversations that you're going to have with stagers. You know, when you're at the awards dinner or you're at lunch with people and people are talking, it's the networking and the camaraderie that is just the icing on the cake. Yeah, and I 100% agree. It's it's a difficult industry to to develop a strong network in unless you're willing to get out there and meet other people from other markets and hear about their challenges, their successes, the way they do things in their markets. And I think that's how our industry has evolved. And that's the number one reason to be a part of Risa, to go to RisaCon is to develop those, those 
those networks and meet people. Like you will create a lifelong friendship with somebody if you attend Resicon for the first time. And like we talk about having mentors, having business coaches, like sometimes you just need a sounding board with somebody who has relatable issues, has gone through those challenges. And I think one thing that is absolutely incredible about Reese is something that's kept me around for so long as well is the fact that no matter how big or small you are, it's it's a completely open environment for people. It's like if you have questions, nobody's going to be like, hey, no, thanks. I'm not going to have a conversation with you. It's It's encouragement constant encouragement. It's a willingness to share information. We've all gone through a whole lot of, of challenges building this industry. And um, we're always willing to share and help out as much as we can, regardless of how long you've been in the industry. Recon could be your first, your first, uh, you know, aspect of starting your business. You're going to Recon first. Like I met somebody a couple of years ago where it's like, Hey, I just started a month ago and I'm at Recon. You have an opportunity to help them in profound ways, just by having a simple conversation about the industry, what you've done, your experience, answering a few questions that could just give them a clear path and an idea of, of how they want to enter the industry. And that's our chance to influence new people in the industry, right? Because there's always this challenge where you've got stagers who come in the industry, don't know how to price, don't know how to provide the service the right way. And it creates complexity. It creates a huge amount of competition and pricing and an um, effect on pricing that's downward rather than building it. So if we actually want to influence this and do it the right way, we have those conversations up front and we're open, an open book about it to be as encouraging as possible. Yeah. One thing I, I love about Resacon as well is it, what you're touching on is that there are, there's something there for everybody. If you're just starting out or you're in the middle or you're a, a tenured person in the industry, those tenured people are coming to Resacon. The people that are in the middle of the business, the people that are coming are a lot of the movers and the shakers. And then you've got the newer people that are coming in. You can't pick a better environment to learn from because you are literally immersed in hundreds of people that are in the same boat as you are or were in your boat and have now upgraded to a yacht and they are willing to give back. And right. I think you're you're right that it's, you know, it's different. Like when you're on social media, I know a lot of times people say, oh, I asked a question. Everybody says, just go get training. Go get training. <laughs> it is. Do right. it. You just can't build a business just off Facebook answers alone. But when you're there and you're meeting people and the camaraderie and sitting at different tables for all the different events, you are definitely going to be keyed into conversations and talking to people that have had the same experiences that you did. And this is a, another thing is people I said, my market's different. It's different here. It's different here. I hear it everywhere. There are, there are different fluctuations in markets, but what I will tell you is that you can be a stager in Miami, Florida and have a problem and say, my market is different, but somebody from Portland, Oregon can solve your problem. Right. And yeah. So I mean, it's, we're, we're in different markets, but we're the same service, right? Same services. Like we're doing the same thing. There's got to be, at some point, there's got to be an extremely formulaic approach. And so like working together to find that will solve a lot of problems for a lot of stagers. One thing I would mention about RISA is a lot of people think it's just an event, right? It's a three-day event. You go there, you learn. It's, well, no, you take notes, you learn, you develop relationships, you follow up on that information, you watch the videos, you buy the videos, you watch them over and over again until you grasp the information, you make the right phone calls, the right emails, connect with the right people to make sure that you're able to actually implement that information. I think that's the best way to get the most out of RISACon, frankly. Yeah, you got to go home and implement it. And people are so excited when they leave and the learning doesn't stop because once you've met everybody at Resacon, now you're going to go back and you can develop those friendships with people, with the colleagues that will help you be accountable for the changes that you want to make. And I like what you said, a sounding board. 
that is something I think that everybody needs is they just need somebody. Let me just, can I bounce an idea off of you? Have you ever experienced this? And you can get a little bit of feedback and miracles happen, man. It's just, you just take it all, soak it in and then apply it once you get home. Yep. Agreed. If you don't have somebody to pick the phone where you can pick up the phone, dial their number and just have a 20 minute conversation about your challenge and just let them listen. Like you need that. Everybody needs that. And especially in business, because sometimes we're, we're caught up in either biases within our decision-making process or in the emotions of it. So you need somebody that's disconnected, but also connected to the industry to help you make those decisions. Yeah. So, absolutely. I mean, there's a number of people that I, I call whenever I need help and vice versa, but you're, you're just kind of there for them. We may not hear from each other for 90, 120 days, but yeah. When those moments come up and you need feedback, you know, we're, we're there for each other. And it's not even something that we formalize. We just, we just do it. Yeah. And that's what you get out of Risa is in that network. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Um, I'm excited about Risa Khan. It's hard to believe we were like just there. Literally our team is going, it's already April. How is this happening? It's crazy. Time goes by so fast. I remember like being in junior high and the summer seemed like three months in the summer seemed like it was forever. You didn't have to go back to school. And now as an adult, you're like, summer, it's gone. It's out yep. of here. We're going to blink year, and gone. start getting dark at six again. And we haven't even seen the sunlight here in Portland, but it's another conversation. Totally, totally. Well, we are at the end of our time. I appreciate you, Ryan, and everything you do for the industry. You are um, definitely a leader in the forefront of um, making great things happen. So we appreciate you. I appreciate you speaking at RisaCon. And if you are on the fence about RisaCon, I always say jump off that fence and run to your computer, get your ticket today. There's something for everybody at this particular event. And if you are new and you're a little bit hesitant when you're thinking, you know, I, I can't afford it, you can afford not to do it. You're, if you come here and you get this knowledge, it's going to make you much more profitable. It's a write-off, number one. And if you're worried about going there just being alone, that you don't know somebody, Come to a staff member. We always have volunteers at RisaCon that have little sashes on them that say volunteer. Go up and just say, hey, my name's Susie. I'm new. Um, can you introduce me to somebody? And we will say, absolutely. And we will go around and we will we will match you up with somebody. So we don't want anybody to ever feel that they're going to be left out because this is definitely a very welcoming, very, very welcoming event. So thank you, Ryan. For everybody else, get your ticket, risaconvention.com. Check us out. Um, I know you're going to want to be there and we will see you in July this summer in Las Vegas. And we're also going to hit the Las Vegas furniture market until next time, everybody happy staging 